From the studios of WHUPLP in Hillsboro, North Carolina, this is Dirty White Belt Radio. Innovative, often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it, make it way harder For them to follow what I take It hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk, you painted skunks You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space So the wait is up Fight, fight Welcome to another episode of Dirty White Belt Radio, everyone. We have a very special show to start the 2018 year with you. We have a couple of our favorite guys from the local scene, guys who are both really active in terms of teaching, in terms of training, in terms of competing, one of whom won our Jujutero of the Year Award this past year. And so John Shell and Vernon Kirk, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Appreciate uh, letting us come in and everything. Vern? Thank you for having us, man. We truly appreciate it. Yeah, and these guys have a lot of interesting things going on. We're going to get to all of them, but I want to start with something that's coming up really quickly. Not the most recent, not not the not the thing that's coming up most quickly, which is Samantha Seff's fight January 20th, which everybody should buy tickets to and go support. But the week following that, uh, Team Hubao Karaoke, of which you guys are both a part, are having a belt promotion ceremony on the 26th, and the following day, the 27th, a legend of jiu-jitsu, Joe Morera, is going to be here teaching a seminar, and that's at your school, John. That's right, yeah. Uh, a lot of things are coming up, Jeff. Uh, primarily we're trying to get into the new school so all that stuff is happening like this week next week uh trying to get everything prepared for the promotion on uh, the 26th and then the seminar on the 27th so that's going to be a two-hour seminar and uh like you said joe moriere is going to be giving the seminar all the proceeds are going to be to benefit reuben and help him out with his medical expenses and so on so you know the way that you can we're not charging anybody for the like the the actual to pay money at the seminar or a uh, a link on the website to go uh, uh, put money down for the seminar. They just go to the GoFundMe account that's already established, and they just pay uh, sixty dollars, and that will cover them for the seminar. And just put for the seminar when you do. We've already had a couple of people do it, but. You're talking about an eighth-degree black belt who also was trained at the Kodokan in Japan and a few other things as well, and not many better people out there you could actually learn from. Mm-hmm. Let's get people fired up about Joe Morera because I know that most of our audience is probably going to know who he is, but I want to get into some of his achievements uh, because I think he's a legend that doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. We will. John mentions uh, the link to the GoFundMe. Uh, we're going to put a link to that in the comments of this show. I'm going to go there right after we get done and, and make my donation because I don't want to miss a chance of learning from Joe Morera. So you all have both trained with him. John, you actually took an instructor course from him. The thing you hear most about Joe is his pressure right. and about how he just uses crushing pressure, about using the traditional stack pass to, to break dudes ribs and such and is that your primary takeaway from training with him or what, what's your primary takeaway? actually um he does do a great job at his pressure you know he's very very um stack pass pressure you know passes were very very slow but the thing that i took out that was most helpful for me was um you know i've been to one of his seminars and like you said i went to california and did an instructor's course at his school uh, and and the thing that I took away from it is his concepts, his concepts about uh, recover guard and being down in the guard position and side control position. And there's, you know, four different steps. Right. 
And so you always want to get back to home. And back to home means in a, some sort of guard. So if somebody starts to pass you, his concepts on recovering guard is, is, is what I really, really enjoyed, you know, coming from that. How about you, Vernon? You've gotten the chance to train with Joe. Well, Joe just stole my thunder because that's exactly what it <laughs> took for me. Um, as somebody who is usually a top player, you know, playing off my back, especially as a judo guy and a wrestler, was always the toughest part for me. And after doing that with Joe, it really helped me and really kind of helped cement my, you know, the game off my back as well as having a game off my t- off the top. You are well, you are well known for pulling guard. <laughs> and, I, I won guard pull of the year. <laughs> <laughs> we should totally have a guard pull of the war, year award next year. Uh, but yeah, so so like John, tell me more about the instructor course. How long did you spend out in California with Joe? And apart from the the, his, the concepts that he that he passed on to you, what kind of stuff did you learn from him? Uh, so the instructor's course was a three day course. Um, you know, it was not only Joe Moreira, but it was a Francisco Masur and Marco Huas. So um, Joe Moreira covered the jujitsu part of it. Uh, Francisco covered self-defense, and Marco Huas covered, uh, you know, the MMA section of that. So it was an incredible three days. I actually spent longer out there because I got a chance to go travel uh, to different um, different gyms and, and be able to train with different people while I was there as well. Uh, so it was it was exciting. Um, you know, uh, Joe Joe did a great job at, at, in instruction and. And uh, there was uh, quite a few people from all over the country, all over the... Actually, there was a guy from there from Hawaii and some guys there from uh, Europe. So it's a, I think it's something that he does every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Joe, I don't think, get the, gets the credit he deserves for being instrumental to the growth of jiu-jitsu in the United States. Because when you talk about people that were ha- doing it in the early 90s here, it's a pretty short list. And I know you guys both have talked to Mark Baccarizzo, who's been, been on our show fifth American black belt, first American black belt under Joe. And so you're talking about getting the chance to train with someone that was really there at the beginning, was instrumental to helping jiu-jitsu get off the ground in America. That has to be exciting. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. You know, Joe's one of the first non-Gracies to come to the States, start tournaments in the States, and, and, and teach here. So uh, he has a significant, um, significant history behind him. And also just – Anytime you get to train with somebody who's that legendary, it's amazing. Um, somebody who's played sports his whole life, anytime, you know, the newer guys who are doing the cool stuff, that's always fun to get some newer technique. But if you don't have that base underneath you, you really don't have much. And somebody like that, it's going to be the same type of stuff over and over, but it's going to be the stuff that you have to do. And if you don't have it, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And anytime I can get around somebody like that who is that skilled and that good, you got to take advantage of the opportunity. There's just no other way around it. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but every time I see something that's like something I've seen a thousand times in jujitsu, the uh, the thousand and first time I see it, I pull out something little that I did not see before, just because there's this progression, right? You have all these techniques that you learn from a white belt all the way up, you know, to black belt. But uh, you don't under, you don't see the things as a white belt that you do when you're a, a blue belt and a purple belt and brown belt and so on. I so agree with that. And as someone that teaches the fundamentals class, most of the people have a really good attitude. But some, every so often you'll, you get somebody who's like, oh, you've already taught this cross-collar choke so many times. I know all the details. And I'm like, well, can you do it to everybody? Yeah. It's like, well, no. Well, Hodger Gracie can do it to everybody. Do you think that's right, because he quit right. drilling it at Blue Belt? I mean, prob- probably not, right? <laughs> well, it, it's, always, it's always the ones who say that. It's always like, okay, well, do it to me. 
Oh, that's what I thought. <laughs> and it's always those ones. It's like, yeah, you know, why would I move to that when you can't do this? You know, how are you going to learn how to, you know, do something crazy when you still can't shrimp right? <laughs> I mean, that just... I'll never forget, my son went to a judo class at another place, and there was somebody else teaching the class. And you know how you shrimp a little bit differently in MMA because you don't want to give up the side of your face. That's not what kids need to be learning. Mm. And the guy ruined my son shrimping for a month, and I thought I was going to strangle him. <laughs> I was, at, you know, it was a white belt teaching a kid's class too, so it drove me nuts. But what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the good things is you know you could strangle him. So oh, if you have to, so it's one of the beautiful things about jujitsu. And so transitioning a little bit from jujitsu, because like j- just to wrap up, uh, and I'm sure we'll come back to that. You know, if you want to train with Joe Morera, train with a legend, train with the highest ranked black belt in North Carolina and support his recovery from a stroke, you can go to the GoFundMe page that we're going to link to in the site. That's the 27th of January at John's School, Shellshock BJJ. Uh, what else do people need to know logistically about signing up for the seminar? Uh, the seminar starts at 11 and uh, it's going to go to what, one o'clock? Yep. Yeah, maybe probably a little bit after, depending on you know stay enrolling afterwards and so on uh but yeah it's uh starts at 11 o'clock on on that saturday morning the january 27th and um like you said you're gonna set up the link on the page and you know people can go ahead and donate there uh you don't have to just donate 60 bucks for the seminar you can donate as much as you want and so and we really appreciate all the uh all the uh, um, donations that we've gotten so far, I mean, it's incredible. Uh, people coming out from all, all different areas, all different walks of life, and uh, donating to, uh, to Ruben. So, you yeah, know, appreciate it. A wonderful thing to see, and we really do appreciate it. You know, talking to Professor, one of the biggest things he's been so surprised about almost is the amount of people that have kind of come out of the woodwork to, you know, message him and support him and everything else. And he really does appreciate it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know everybody hasn't really had a chance to see him much since it happened, but obviously he's going to be there on the 27th. He's going to be there on the 26th. And, you know, we've been starting to kind of pull him out of the house a little bit more. Uh, We made him show, I made him show up to, uh, we both did, made him show up to the last class of the year. He was like, okay, you had a stroke in September. You're going to be on the mat, at least teaching, before this year is over, and we're going to make it happen, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And he just keeps, you know, plugging through it every day, just physical therapy and everything else he's doing. So Yeah, he's actually doing uh, extra therapy and things. So, yep. you know, not only is he covering his classes, you know, his therapy classes, but he's, he's you know, asking them if he can do more. Mm-hmm. So, and he's working at home towards uh, recovering, so it's great to see. It's good to hear that his recovery is going well. You know, what we see from Facebook, we see him working hard. And so get well soon, and we will see him on the 27th, which will be really exciting. Encourage everybody to get out and support. The next Eddie Bravo Invitational is coming up, and Juni Ocasio is competing. We designed a custom rash guard for Juni, and a lot of you pre-ordered a rash guard uh, that goes right along with that, so thank you for doing that. But I want to talk to you about Cageside Fight Company and Toro BJJ, because they're the folks making these rash guards for us. Toro has the best customer service of any company that I've ever been associated with. Boomer worked with us really closely on making sure we got one custom rash guard for Juni, and another one that would fit the broader market, all the folks out there that love training and want to have a high-quality supplement rash guard. So check that out on February 17th, Root for Juni, and hopefully you got yourself one of those. If so, you should see them ship in February. Thanks for supporting us and for supporting Cageside MMA and Toro BJJ. So speaking of seminars, 
I definitely want to talk to you, John, about the seminar that you're teaching on February 11th. Um, so tell us about that. Where is it? Is it gi or no gi? And uh, how can folks uh, sign up for that? Right. That's February 11th. It's going to be at Elevate MMA in Durham. And uh, that is going to be an, a no gi seminar. And um, that seminar um, is going to be on the Japanese necktie. Uh, it's the same thing I taught down in Fayetteville um, you know, a little while ago. Uh, I actually taught it in the gi uh, down in Fayetteville because I, I wanted them to understand that you could do it in both gi and no gi. But uh, for Elevate MMA, I'm going to be doing it in no gi. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it will appeal to a lot um, uh, bigger audience that way uh, because of, uh, of the MMA presence that Elevate has. So um, we're going we're gonna to do that February 11th. Uh, I believe that's a one um I believe that's eleven o'clock. I, I I need to check on that. But, uh, we'll we'll post that. We'll post a link to that in the Jeff. comments as well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Happy to help. So, like, just for for our listeners that are interested in this technique, which is a technique you are increasingly becoming known for, what are the main differences in hitting the Japanese necktie gi versus no gi? None. Uh, <laughs> to, to be honest with you, there's none in my opinion because. Um, because you can do it in both. I don't use the gi uh, when I hit this technique. I don't use it at all. Um, I actually, I actually get this technique by setting up uh, by uh, threatening other things. So my my concept behind hitting this technique, which is a, a a fairly simple technique, is is just going after other stuff in that knee slice position. And so nogi. Um, you know, obviously you hit this a lot, Nogi. Is it the kind of thing that's useful for MMA competitors as well? Right, yeah. In fact, the first time I learned this this particular technique, the Japanese necktie, was from uh, Boogie Martinez when I was out during the uh, uh, Joe Morera instructor's course in California we talked about earlier. So, uh, he, you know, I asked him what his favorite thing to do was, and um, he showed me the Japanese necktie, and he also told me that He's, he's won his MMA fights using this technique. Mm -hmm. So it, it definitely is applicable. You know, interestingly, just to, just to draw a connection, there's so much cool stuff happening this year and this month. And the week after your seminar, February 17th, you mentioned Boogie Martinez, whose you know, brother Gio Martinez is competing in, e in EBI right. the next weekend with Junio Casio, who's been on the show and is one of our sponsored guys as well. So a lot of, a lot of exciting stuff happening in North Carolina and beyond. Um, so this, this isn't your first seminar. You taught one down in Fayetteville. That's you've right. taught a couple others. Like, um, how do you? You know, I went to class at your school the other day, and you know, it's really exciting to watch you grow as an instructor. What do you think the difference is between teaching folks that are sort of your regular students versus folks that are like, oh, hey, you know, Cody trains these guys regularly. I see him for three hours. What's right. the difference for you that you think as an instructor? Well, you know, during my uh, during the seminar that I did in Fayetteville. I didn't really change up a whole lot what I typically do in class. I just focused more on the details around that that specific technique and the and the things that I do to try to get it. And so, I I started off with just a warm up to go to like the knee slice position where I typically hit it, and then we went from there. So I just warmed people up with that drill, and then when we uh, went to that position, I I uh, isolated on what I did before getting to the Japanese necktie because I think that's important it's an important piece that uh that um some people forget to add in there is the different little setups to getting that final technique because you don't you don't just go for it you go for it people are going to know that you're going for it and they're going to defend it so you have to 
you have to uh, uh, conceal what your intentions are. So let's move on to competition because I know both of you guys are going to be – you guys are both regular competitors, and I know you're both signed up for the Atlanta Open. Is that is that the next competition you're each going to do? That is for me. Um, there's that. There's a couple of good ones in February because it, well, it looks like good fight and um, – Grappling Industries book for the same day, so that's kind of a bummer. But <laughs> mm-hmm. then there's uh, IBGGF DC is the weekend of my birthday. There's something really good in March that I'm drawing. Well, there's U.S. Grappling in March, Raleigh, and then, yeah. yep. Mm. And there's something else I'm drawing a blank on right now. But oh well. Mm. <laughs> Incidentally, one of the long-term projects that I want to do is to revamp the uh, Dirty White Belt calendar. The idea when when I started the new website, we had this calendar and had this really cool tool where you can submit events. And unfortunately, like, folks weren't submitting events, and I tried to input it all myself, but then people's schedule changed, and so it's all outdated. And now, with all these different events, I feel like it's really important to have a unified community calendar, at least for the triangle, and really extending as far out as Charlotte as if I could. So if you're listening and you want to be an intern for Dirty White Belt Radio and input a bunch of data, just hit me up, cagesidewhup at gmail.com. The next Eddie Bravo Invitational is coming up, and Junie Ocasio is competing. We designed a custom rash guard for Junie, and a lot of you pre-ordered a rash guard uh, that goes right along with that, so thank you for doing that. But I want to talk to you about Cageside Fight Company and Toro BJJ, because they're the folks making these rash guards for us. Toro has the best customer service of any company that I've ever been associated with. Boomer worked with us really closely on making sure we got one custom rash guard for Junie, and another one that would fit the broader market, all the folks out there that love training and want to have a high-quality sublimation rash guard so check that out on february 17th root for junie and hopefully you got yourself one of those if so you should see him ship in february thanks for supporting us and for supporting cage side mma and toro bjj but yeah so you guys must be excited for atlanta we are yeah. yes um we're really excited for it uh i i like to compete a lot i i've done a lot of competitions the past two years vernon he has really come, you know, come a long way with competitions and and really pushed himself as well. And so we we uh, we we're constantly pushing each other, supporting each other in that. You know, uh, Rubens calls us crazy, you know, because, <laughs> yes, are. because you know, uh, I agree with Rubens about a lot of things. <laughs> I'm gonna have to have to be on his side about this one too. But continue. Yeah, he he says you guys are not like the the typical uh, typical jujitsu players. You know, um, we. <laughs> We actually compete uh, an extensive amount. So, um, you know, Vern, you want to add anything? I got, well, I, I had 16 last year, um, including a uh, kind of mixed rules judo thing. That And, I mean, it was a couple weekends of, like, back-to-back, which, you know, by the, I, I for, for example, like I did D.C., then a couple weeks later was Atlanta and then Charlotte. And I was kind of ground down to a nub at that point. Like, Charlotte, I did not have my best performance. And then I had a no-gi super fight a few weeks after that. And I went in with a little bit different attitude. And I think the match only lasted a minute 30. Or no, minute 21, I missed the uh, fastest submission by about 20 seconds. I was a little bummed out about that. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I always grew, I grew up playing sports. And I'm always the type, I, I want to see how good I am. And it it's kind of hard in class because you see the same people and as much as you don't want to, okay, I'm going to play this person the same way I play them every time you try to do it differently, but it still ends up being the same game a lot of mm-hmm. times. And it's just, it gets too predictable. Mm-hmm. And you know, this one 
pushed me a ton. And I mean, the year before I was kind of on that type of uh, path until I hurt my shoulder. And so, and even though like the year before I only got six, but that was also missing at least six months because of surgery. So that's still not bad. <laughs> so as people that both do the competitive side and the teaching side, I'm interested. Sometimes you hear things like a tournament's worth a month of training. Things like that. Is that something you believe? Is that is that? Something? Yeah, one hundred percent. Like, uh, there's nothing like uh, the substitution for competition, in my opinion. Um, you can do a lot of stuff on the mats. You know, you can go to open mats and you can roll with different people, which is a very very helpful also. Um, but that just the competition and hitting, you know, not just a couple competitions a year, but a lot of competitions a year gets gets you to the point where it's not you know if you were nervous before you know it's just another day it's just mm-hmm. another it's just another day at a different city and we're just doing what we love to do and so if you look at it that way instead of stressing out about it and started getting nervous about it if you look at it as you know just going out there and do what you train to do um you're going to be successful eventually you're going to be successful um I, uh, I I get it all the time. Like you know, you know you you know you you come a long way in a short period of time. And and I said that I I solely contribute that to all the training I put in and all the competitions I have hit in the last two years. And uh, I I will I will stand by that one hundred percent. And um, you know they were like, well you know you always win. No, I don't. <laughs> I I lose more than I win by far, but I keep doing it. Well, and, you know, I, I remember uh, hearing Boss Rutten on a podcast talking about, you know, how are you going to know unless you actually go out there and do it? And you can talk about you do it in class all the time and, okay, well, we're training more for this or more for that. But in all honesty, it's very different standing on the mat, standing across from a person you don't know. And, I you know, there's levels. It's always a level. And I think some people don't understand that fully. There's okay, here's a friendly rolling class. Here's the guy in class who me and him are kind of neck and neck, so it gets amped up a little bit. Okay, now I'm with an upper belt. That gets amped up a little bit more. Oh, I'm in an open mat, and I kind of don't know that guy, and I'm rolling with him, so it gets amped up just a touch more. And then, but there's a big difference when, you know, you've paid your money and you're standing there across from somebody. And it just, it, it has to build like that. And if you don't have that chance to really test yourself, you can say how good it, you know, I, well, I think I'm here, I think I'm there, but you don't know. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can probably have a really good educated guess, but still a guess at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that your professor, who about karaoke, is, think calls both of you guys crazy for competing as much as you do. I want to talk, I want you guys to tell me a couple stories about him and what he's like as a professor. And so I was wondering if either of you, or each of you ideally, has either a funny story from training with him or a story about something really important and meaningful that he's taught you during the course of your training with him. Well, uh, I'd like to say that, you know, you asked about Joe Moran and his pressure passing. 100% Ruben picked that up, man. <laughs> 100%. For a long time, I was his Yuki, you know? I, you know, I was the one getting crushed by him. And, uh, let me tell you, I have never felt that kind of pressure in, in all my life, and I still have not felt that pressure of of some of his, you know, stack passes and, and things like that. I, it's just amazing that 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 
growing up with with that kind of pressure, you know, in jujitsu. I'm glad you're still alive. Uh, and uh, and I mean, it's a special kind of suffering when somebody that really knows how to do the stack pass gets you gets you under him. Mm-hmm. Well, he was. What he'll always do is he'll teach it, and then he'll walk he'll walk around, and the new people doing it, he'll see them being nice to their partner. He'll go, <laughs> "No, you're close. Let me show on you. Let me show on you." And you can just see it like you're like sitting there like this, looking, just staring at everybody like, oh, this is going to be funny to watch. And you can see the person's face and the anguish and the agony. And it's, I always tell guys, I'm like, when you, when Ruben tries to move on you or something, be ready to tap because you're not, you're not used to that type of pressure. And they're like, oh no, I've been choked before. Uh Uh-huh. Good to know. Now, he typically does not do a lot of triangles and things like that. He plays a, a lot of half guard, pressure passing, things like that. But this one time he was showing a triangle and he was using me as a dummy. And, you know, I'm sitting in his legs and I'm just sitting there, you know, just letting him, you know, show the different uh, details to this triangle and so on. And uh, all of a sudden I wake up on my back because he didn't realize it, but like it slowly cut off my blood. And, uh, you know, he let me go, but I was just rolled over like this. And then uh, all of a sudden I'm back. I'm up again and i'm like oh okay <laughs> did he make you go back to being okay after <laughs> of course, yeah. of course. I, I welcomed it <laughs> he uh, i remember i was rolling with him one day and i'll i used to have a I, I do it a lot less now but i used to have a habit of i'll get i'll roll to my side and give up my arm to get out of a bad spot and he knew what i was doing and he knew not to take the bait so he just took his fist and he put it in my ear and was grinding that ear while my other ear was being ground in the mat and just sitting there smiling, just up and smiling to everybody else in the class. And I'm just sitting there like, that was not a bright idea. <laughs> he was just trying to make sure your cauliflower ear was even on both sides. He's it's looking out for you. <laughs> so you guys have been training with him for quite a long time. What would you say the single most important lesson, either jiu-jitsu or life, that you've learned from, from Ruben is? Well, first I want to just start off by saying uh, he has given me something that I could never repay, you know. I, and I know, I know Vern feels the same way. But, uh, you know, th- uh, being taught jujitsu and what that means long term is I don't think there's any amount of money that, that could buy that, you know. And uh, there's, there's nothing that I could do to repay that to him. And I just, I'm thankful for it. You know, I'm thankful that I met him. I'm thankful that all, all the stuff that he showed me over the years. And, you know, honestly, you don't you don't put all those things together until later in your jiu-jitsu career, right? Uh, because there's th- certain things that happen. You don't know exactly why it's happening. But later on, when all those pieces come together, you understand. You understand completely. This is the kind of thing it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't do jiu-jitsu, but I think people that do jiu-jitsu just completely get it if you, you know, once right. you've done jiu-jitsu for a while. I remember uh, last tournament I did as a blue belt. Um, went down to Atlanta. Booked a hotel room. I thought we were going to have a whole big group of the team go, and it was just me and Ruben. And I'd already been told, you know, hey, we're going to be doing promotions, and you're getting up. And I had been a blue belt for about three years at that point, and I thought it was a little soon, but okay. And I'm in the ultra heavyweight division, and I normally like to go against bigger guys. I like being the smaller guy. And I get the one guy in my first round match that is shorter than me and about 225 pounds, so he's fast. I think this one judo throw is there. And it wasn't. 
and he took my back and choked me. And I walk off the mat with just my head down, and I'm like, well, I should be a, I should be a blue belt for another year anyways. I, I don't deserve my belt. And he just looks at me, and he shakes his head, and he goes, boy, judo guy, always give it back. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, go watch Purple Belt, see who you fight next time. And just shook his head and let me walk off. <laughs> That's the type of guy he is. He will... He will rib you. He will, you know, there are days you walk out of there and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but he always knows when to kind of come in and kind of pick you back up again. And he always, you know, I can't tell you how many times, like I've always, I pride myself on not getting stuck in somebody's top half guard because my first tournament, I got stuck in somebody's lockdown. And I went to Ruben that Monday and I said, I never want that to happen again, even though I won the match. And I have not been caught in somebody's half guard Ever since. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, I try not to get caught in anybody's stack pass for some of the reasons that you guys uh, already already went over. Hey, Lourdes. Hey. What's your favorite tournament organization in jiu-jitsu? Um, that's an easy one. It would have to be U.S. Grappling. And actually, I love them so much that I'm going to go to their ref training in January. I know that they put on a lot of ref trainings because they're serious about the competitor experience. I've actually gone to two of the ref trainings myself because I wanted to be really sure that I was a decent ref. Yeah, I really like the way that they do the ref training. One, you can go to the ref training and you, you can get your training done. But then they even kind of mentor you at one of the events. And so you, um, you get to practice doing your refing during real matches. And um, I really like that. U.S. Grappling is run by grapplers for grapplers. You can compete in the new year. Register early to get a break on price at usgrappling.com. Well, that's exciting. And uh, so, you know, again, if you want to turn out and support one of the, the pillars of the local community, uh, promotions January 26th, Seminar with Joe Morera, as a, to benefit Team Hubao Carioca, January 27th. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about MMA. Another thing that's coming up, um, your lady friend, your charming lady friend, Samantha Seth, <laughs> has uh, taken a last-minute MMA fight. Uh, not quite super last-minute, but a couple weeks out. It, that, that fight is January 20th. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, she's, uh, she's fighting someone um, on that card. Uh, her name is Karma. Uh, and uh, that's good. she did take it last minute. Um, but, uh, you know, she's, she's been training this thing consistently the whole time. And so she's more than ready for the fight. Uh, her cardio is good. She she comes in the class early. She does, you know, her 30s is what we call it. So, you know, sprawling and getting back up. And, and you know, she does all her exercises, all her training. Uh, she wakes up early in the morning. She goes and does strength training uh, twice, three times a week. So uh, she's doing that on top of everything else. My 30s were way better than my 20s. So <laughs> so good luck to you, Sammy. And so if folks want to get tickets and support, that that's about an, an hour and a half away. Is that right? Where's the fight at? The fight's going to be, uh, I, I believe the address, the city that's going to be in is Selma. Mm -hmm. um, I've been here in Smithfield, but I think the address is actually Selma. Ah, okay. Yeah. So about an hour, hour and a half from the triangle. So definitely within driving distance for folks. And we'll put, uh, along with the other litany of things we're going to put in the comments, we'll put links to, to where you can get tickets and support Sammy's pro MMA career as well. So here, here's a question for you. Like, you know, you get to train with her on a regular basis. Um, what's, I mean, what's great about being able to train with your girlfriend and what's tough about being able to train with your girlfriend? Well, she doesn't, she doesn't go with, she doesn't roll with me the way that she rolls with other people. Hmm. 
and I think it's just a mental thing. But um, you know, and I'm always trying to push her to like go at me hard. Like I see, I, I I watch her all the time with other people, and she's just her technique is great, and she's smoking other people. And uh, then then she rolls with me, and she's just all all nice and everything. I'm like, I'm the last person you need to be. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know? But I, I think it's just her uh, trying to switch gears from. Um, you know, boyfriend to to training partner to coach sometimes. So uh, I think it's difficult to switch those gears. I mean, I, last time I was in, you know, my daughter was in also, and we kind of talked about that that dynamic mm -hmm. as well. And, and it's it kind of similar, you know, uh, in the aspect of of you know trying to separate things out because you have to um in this situation i have to have wear a lot of hats right mm -hmm. so i have one hat as a coach one hat as a dad one hat as a boyfriend one hat as a you know um you know e bearded badass yeah. <laughs> you never but, wear your boyfriend hat for me anymore. <laughs> well you know maybe at the ceremony <laughs> but yeah it's a, it's a, it's an interesting spot and like one thing lordis has always talked about wanting to do is to have a jujitsu love show because i it's an interesting dynamic you know kim and mask who i trained with kim rice you know right. blue belt world champion purple belt uh you know that brown belt masters world champion uh you know super beast and or, you know, her husband, Jason Mask, is a super legit purple belt. Right. And those folks go at it hard. You know, I don't think either of them takes it easy on the other. And like, and, and, uh, but it's a, it's a dynamic that you have to, I think, work out in different ways that is related to like belt level and are you the person's instructor? And, and so it's, it's definitely something you got to negotiate. Vern, does your wife train? I've uh, been trying to get her to. Her work schedule's been a little hinky, but when we move back up here, that'll make life a lot easier. It's, Normally, it's just dad is the coach, which mm. was so hard in the beginning with my son. You know, when I kind of took over as his coach, it was always like, yeah, I know dad's yelling, but dad's not yelling at you as dad right now. And he mm. gets it now. He's he's turning 14 the day of the Joe Moore era seminar. So oh, wow. show up and give Liam birthday throws as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll be there. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's just it is it is a harder dynamic. Um, and with Liam, and I got a feeling it's the same thing for Aaliyah, what was always tough too is they were always the highest ranking kids in the class. Yeah. And so not only are they your kid, but then they have to help you and they have to kind of set an example with you, which I think can be a little tough on them sometimes too, when they just want to kind of, you know, play around with their friends a little bit, which, you know, you have to find that line of like, okay, when is it, you know, you guys are, when do we have to get serious again? Mm -hmm. And... You know, I've been helping coach like his wrestling team and things like that, and it's his first year wrestling, so it's definitely a different thing, especially because the kid likes to pull guard and he's wrestling now, so that's always entertaining. <laughs> I love that you're raising a guard puller. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you brought shame to this family. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you the, another great thing about it, though, is is the fact that we, you know, she understands the training part of it. She understands training hard. She understands training all the time. Mm. And I do too. So it makes it very easy as far as that goes. There's no, there's no, nothing like, uh, you know, oh, you're spending too much time at the gym. There's not, oh, you're training too much. We're always pushing each other to train much, you know, train a lot. So, um, even when we're not doing anything, we're like, hey, we should go to hit some mitts. Or we, mm. we should, well, you want to go roll a little bit? You know, we'll do stuff like that. So it makes it very easy to get the required training in for, uh, you know, high competition level. Yeah, that, that is super useful. Well, and I think 
everybody who's listening, um, for a while I had it where at my school it was most of the time it was like it was fan, I called it family style BJJ because I teach the kids class and then the kids class would be over and usually the parents would be helping out during the class because they were getting ready for the adult class and it wasn't just dad or it wasn't just mom it was both and I think even if they don't stick with it all the way they need to go and they need to experience it and they need to see it so they understand what it is that you're doing a lot of times I think they just see it as oh you're trying to spend time away from me or oh this or oh that but once they get in there and they actually see it and they see their kids doing well and they see what it does for you and so on and so forth that is one thing I will say about my wife that is you know I, I couldn't say about a lot of other women where she let me leave my job and move to Charlotte to open a school. She tells me to go train because I need to go train. She will fix my food. She will help me with all of that stuff because she knows what it's done for me. She's seen the transformation and just not just how I look, but how I am. And so I think a lot of times when somebody gets that, it makes your life a lot easier. 100%. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more, man. Yeah, that's so important. That's so important. And so, Vern, you mentioned you're not quite back in the triangle full time just yep. yet. Uh, what 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 schedule you're on for that? I will. It'll be the end of the school year. I'm just not going to uproot my kids in the middle of the school year. But um, we're going to be moving back up. You know, June-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on obviously when school gets out and you know when we find a place and so on and so forth. But um, looking forward to it because. His school is just getting bigger and bigger every day. There's always Mebbin. And then, of course, I have a lot of friends around here that we can always go and uh, kick around with. But it's it's been it's going to be a really good move for me professionally, but also just for this. I mean, that's the thing I've had. You know, the, the, the nice thing is about North Carolina in general, it's got a really cool community where people are willing to train together and share. I go to open mats all the time at places like Top Martial Arts in Pineville or down to Jeremy Orell or, you know, all over the place. And guys just, they don't, oh, you know, they, they're just glad to see somebody else there who wants to roll and roll a lot. So it's the night, you know, you don't see that in a lot of other places, I don't think. Mm-hmm. You, you talked about family earlier, you know, mm-hmm. running school as a family. That's, you hit the nail right on the head. And I believe one, that we both got that from our instructor, yep. uh, Rubon. Because he, you know, he instilled that in us uh, early, early on that we were all, we all felt like family, you know. We address things like family. We feel like that. We treat everybody, no matter if it's a white belt, uh, no belt. It doesn't matter what, what rank you are or what walk of life you're from. We treat everybody with the same respect. And uh, I had a guy, one of my students, uh, he's a white belt, and uh, he was talking to me the other day, and, and that's the thing that he brought up. And I, I, I thought about that, and I was like, man, you know, that's the way I was raised. I don't know any other way. Yep. That, you know, from, from my instructor, that's how he treated me in Vernon. That's how he treated the whole class. And we treat everybody the same way. And so, Vernon, you're back in the triangle in June, and until then, it's handed out microscopes and ass whoopings? Basically. <laughs> what does my Facebook profile say? I teach people how to break arms and use microscopes. <laughs> I love the duality. <laughs> I love the duality. It's beautiful. When you can take a concept like stereology and introduce it into jiu-jitsu and judo, you have truly crossed a nerd threshold that I don't think most people can truly understand. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody listening to this show would know anything about nerd thresholds. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
well, we had about five minutes left, and I want to make sure that we get to whatever you guys want to talk about. You know, we've talked about the seminar, uh, the Joe Moreira seminar, Benefit and Hubal Karaoke. We've talked about your seminar on February 11th. Talked about Sammy Seff's fight, January 20th. Talked about you guys competing at the Atlanta Open, uh, February 3rd. U.S. Grappling Raleigh, March 3rd. It's going to be an exciting couple of months. Uh, what, what have we missed? What, is there anything that I haven't asked about that you guys really wish I would have asked about? Uh, I... I can't think of anything, Jeff. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so, folks, if you want to support these guys, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you could support these guys. You can come to John's seminar February 11th, check out his new school, Shellshock PJJ. Um, you know, really exciting, big new space. And I think you guys would echo the sentiment that if you were to do nothing else, you should come to this Joe Morera seminar at John's school. Uh, January 27th starts at 11 in the morning. You can get there by donating $60 or more at the GoFundMe link. Uh, every, every dollar of those proceeds is going to go to benefit uh, Hubal Karaoke's yep. me- medical expenses. That's and, correct, yeah. And worst case scenario, if you don't get a chance to do that, just bring cash with you when you get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll accept cash if you bring cash, but we would prefer the GoFundMe. That way, you know, the money, we don't even have to touch it. It's easier it, to track. Yeah, exactly. It's easier to track as far as, you know, taxes and all that stuff, too. You know, it goes to GoFundMe. You, everybody knows what it's going for. We're not touching it. Uh, um, Joe Morera is not touching it. This is a benefit strictly for Ruben. So, also super cool of Joe to donate his time like that. Yeah, typically Joe charges fifteen hundred dollars plus travel expenses plus everything else in order to come to a seminar. Well, I think those are his friend prices, by the way, yeah, for Ruben. So right. I'm going to say it's usually a little more than that. Right. Yeah. Typically, it's a yeah. Typically, it's more than that. Uh, you know that was the original price for you know for like you said for Rubens uh, when we did the seminar last time, and so for him to just say hey, I'm you know just I'm just gonna come and I'm gonna help him out, and that's just incredible for him to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we really appreciate you know him uh, taking time out of his schedule and and uh, and coming and helping our our uh, instructor and helping mm-hmm. our professor. And I will actually say one thing to kind of go to Joe's character. Joe volunteered this. Yep. We didn't ask. Joe volunteered. Mm-hmm. Giving up thousands of dollars and a weekend of your time to benefit somebody else is sort of what jujitsu and family is all about. And I know one of your slogans is not all family is blood, and you guys definitely live those principles. Yes, sir. John Shell, Vernon Kirk, thanks so much for taking the time to be in the studio. Thank you, man. Thank you, Jeff.